This is a podcast from Tbilisi International Christian Fellowship, a gathering of many nations who are one in Christ. Afternoon, everybody. So wonderful to see you all. For those who don't know me, my name is Conrad, and um, my lovely wife was the beautiful lady that was leading the worship. And um, yes, I have the privilege of sharing a message with you this this afternoon. And I'm going to be sharing from Psalm chapter 1. And for many of us, Psalm chapter 1 is a very well-known scripture, well-rehearsed. Most of us have memorized this or even possibly done this in Sunday school, and it's a very popular scripture. But when Pastor Bart asked me to share this message and from this portion of Scripture in Psalm chapter 1, one of the things he mentioned from his heart when we were talking about it was the word being foundational in our faith and our walk with God. And I love the, the, the lyrics there of that one song, I will build my life upon your word. The word of God is one of those unfailing things. I can throw my whole life upon it. I can depend totally Upon God's word, because God is not a man that he should lie. Amen. And we need, as Christians, to understand that we need to have a tremendous respect for the authority of God's word in our lives. It's not something we can just draw on when we're in trouble or when we need something, or something that we can manipulate to suit our own uh, desires, agenda, or motives. But the word of God is eternal and true. And it brings life into us. It sets us on a path for, on course for destiny. And that destiny is an eternal life with Christ. Amen? Amen. <clears throat> so no matter your maturity and where you are in your walk with God, it's important to constantly reinspect and reevaluate our foundation. Thank you very much. So m- many of you sitting here are either well-experienced, well-adventured missionaries or ministry leaders. And, you know, some of us have grown up in churches. But no matter how mature we are in our walk with God, in fact, the more mature you become in your walk with God, the more you realize this re-inspection, re-evaluation of our lives is so important. I went to Bible school when I was still a church member. And I'm still a church member, but when I, when I was a church member, uh, maybe I'll give you some context. I went to Bible school as a church member, and then I left my job into full-time ministry, and I, I was at a Bible school and an arts college in South Africa. And I learned many things about the Word, hours and hours of, of study. But as I grew in the Lord, even some of those things I had learned, I had to reevaluate, reinspect. Some of them weren't 100% accurate. Are you with me? And even in our personal walk with God, your interpretation of the Word needs to be inspected constantly because we are fallible. And when we evaluate the, the Word, when we read the Word, we are using our minds. We trust God that is with the Holy Spirit. But we need to constantly reevaluate. So at the very least, I, 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 I pray that this will not only be an edification, encouragement to you, But even if you are young in your walk with the Lord, I want you to know that this is foundational. This is really important for us to walk in the Word. Amen. 
Okay. So let's go through it now. Verse 1 says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. Now forgive me, I'm from an ex-British colony, so I read from the New King James Version. I know the North Americans, you've got the English standardized version and ASV, whatever, those other versions. So please forgive me as I read from um, the Queen's English here. <laughs> but uh, so, so there, is, there is a different wording, some say mocking in the seat of the scornful, etc., etc. And when we look at this, the first thing says, blessed is the man who does not do these things. Blessed are you. And many of us will look at that scripture and say, well, I don't identify with those things because I don't do that. I certainly don't stand in the way of sinners, and I don't, I don't uh, walk in the counsel of the ungodly. So I don't identify, so therefore it doesn't qualify me. Give me a little bit of room here, because when I read scriptures like this, I think of Jesus when he interpreted the law in Matthew chapter 5. And he said, the law says, do not commit adultery. But I say to you that if you even look at a woman with lust in your heart, you've already committed adultery with her. Jesus interpreted the law from a very inward perspective. Not only did he, say, did he fulfill the law, but he also, I believe, raised the standard in our lives. Amen? So let's just take those three very quickly because I don't want to major on the minors. What does it mean to, counsel, uh, to walk in the counsel of ungodly? I mean, I think this talks a lot about our way of thinking. You may not listen to an ungodly guy, but many of our thought patterns are not necessarily scriptural or sometimes contrary to the word, whether we like to admit it or not. For instance, if we're talking about finances, there's a certain way that the world works regarding finances, how to invest how to spend, how to do this, how to do that, how to do this. Now, all of those are the ways of man. And, and I'm not saying it's bad. It's good. Savings are good for some people. Investing is good for some people. All right? I don't want to get into all of that. But it's not necessarily the way that God wants you to do things. I mean, to the 12 disciples... God's way of finances was don't take anything with you. Don't even take an extra coat with you. Just go. Are you with me? And when, uh, when Peter was asking about tax and all these things, uh, Jesus sent him to the bank of Galilee. Go catch a fish. And the first fish you open its mouth and there will be your, your, your coin. God's way of thinking can many times be very different to the world's way of thinking. And unfortunately, we have, be, we have grown up in the systems of this world. So our ways of thinking can be contrary towards God. Now, what is sin? Sin is to miss the mark. When we look at what sin means, sin is not just about murder, adultery, all those horrible things that we don't identify with at all. But do you realize that in our thought patterns, we can be sinful against God, intentionally or unintentionally? When I do the opposite, things opposite towards the will of God. And my mind can be found fighting against God. All right? So counsel the ungodly. First, second one, path of sinners. Our way of doing things. And what we think is what we often do, is found in our actions. And again, it doesn't have to be these disastrous, sinful, disastrously, disastrously, disastrous. Okay, that word. 
<laughs> it doesn't have to be these horrible ways of doing things. Again, I say that. But when we are walking contrary to the word, when we are doing things that are contrary to even God's will for our lives, even in our personal lives, something may be acceptable to you, Daniel, but it is not acceptable to me. For instance, in the Old Testament, you had the Nazarenes. They didn't cut their hair. They didn't take anything from the vine. Is there something wrong with cutting your hair? No. <laughs> but for those people, there was something because they had made a vow. And also in your calling, in your specific individual calling, you may be prohibited from doing certain things that is acceptable for me. Are you with me? Even Paul said, if something violates your conscience and yet you go and do it, even though it's not wrong, because it violates your conscience, it's sin towards you. You are sinning because you are violating your conscience. So we've got, to, we've got to interpret these scriptures as I believe Jesus interpreted Matthew 5. The third one, seat of the scornful, our way of speaking. Uh, I think I can't remember what the ESV says, but I, I saw some other translators saying the seat of mockers as well. Seat of uh, what we say, and this again goes with our thought patterns. We are very easy sometimes to express our opinion about something when it comes to, okay, we live in a foreign country, so maybe not here, but politics, uh, municipalities, um, our next-door neighbors, the noise they make. We, we are very free sometimes to express an opinion about something. And it's not necessarily always godly. When we speak out of frustration, when we speak out of fear, when we speak out of all these other emotions, sometimes what comes out of our mouth is not glorifying God and is contrary to God. I, as a spokesman, a spokesman, an ambassador of the kingdom of heaven, I cannot afford to have my own opinion about things. Hear me carefully. If I'm speaking to somebody about politics and they're saying, I, 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 politics is a good one here because I don't know any politics here. This political party is bad. They do this, 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 this. Yeah, I agree with I agree 100%. Is that what God is saying? Are you sure that's the biblical perspective of how God sees the situation? We need to check how, what is on our lips. What are we speaking? Amen. So although we may be saved, there may be ways of thinking, doing, and saying that are still offensive to God or contrary to what He desires from us. We also need to acknowledge that we are fallible humans and can have blind spots. This brought me to a place of great humility when I started to acknowledge that I have blind spots. Men are never wrong. They are mistaken sometimes, but never wrong. Blind spot one. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. All right. But we have blind spots, whether it be from our cultural upbringing, whether it be from my, my faith tradition, whatever it may be. I need to acknowledge that as a human being, I may have blind spots and I can be wrong about something. So therefore, I should not stand on something that no one can move me. Unless I know that I know that I know that I know that it's God. And even then I'm teachable to hear from God. 
So when I understand that I'm fallible, I can reevaluate myself. Therefore, discipleship and having people that can speak into our lives is important. And this comes with the word. Because I must realize as a human being, I can interpret the word inaccurately. I love that the one pastor once said, the word of God is never confusing. It only exposes your confusion. But we can misinterpret the word. I've heard all sorts of justifications, false doctrine, and manipulative statements made justified by Scripture. I come from a country in South Africa where the church justified racism through the Bible, through the Scriptures. The devil knows the Scriptures, and he tried to manipulate the Scriptures to tempt Jesus. I'm just a fallible human being, and therefore I can interpret the word inaccurately. And so therefore, I must be able to reevaluate and reinspect my foundation of the Word constantly and consistently with the Holy Spirit. Amen? Hallelujah. <clears throat> so let's get on to the good stuff. We've finished with the, the, the verse 1. Verse 2. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. Everyone say delight. Great. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and his law in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. So I'm going to break down from verse to verse. And the first one I want to start there is, his delight is in the law of the Lord. The word delight. I need to delight in God's word. It cannot be just a law for me. I need to delight in, in spending time in God's Word. It must not be a, just a spiritual responsibility that I've got to get done every day. It's not a verse a day that keeps the devil away. Or a chapter a day if you're super spiritual. I remember reading some stat where they, they did a, a poll on pastors and how much time they spend with God every day. It's shocking. It's shocking. And even if you're in ministry, this can be such a trap. Ministry can be such a trap for you and I as a Christian. Because every time I get into the Word, it's no longer about enjoying God and His Word. It's about my next sermon or my next teaching. In my prayer life, it becomes a business meeting. No longer time with God. So don't think just because people are in ministry, they're very spiritual. We also, <laughs> there's, there's dangers. And, and most of you are in full-time ministry and should be aware of these dangers. As, as Christians, our prayer lives can also be a shopping list. Many times we come to God in the word for a need, looking for answers, which is good. The majority of us came to salvation out of a need. Or is it only me? A lot of us had crisis in our lives, and we found an answer in the cross, in Jesus. It's not wrong to come to God with a need. But to come to God every time with a need, when we, when we get close and close in our walk with God, there's something unhealthy with that. I made a point of it in my life, coming to the Word and in prayer, without an agenda. 
especially with prayer. I know I have all these needs, all these answers that must be answered, and I have all these strategic decisions that must be made regarding the ministry. But when I come before God, I just put that in a, in a figurative black bag, I tie it up, and I leave it at the door, and I walk into my prayer room, and I say, God, what is on your heart? I'm just here to spend time with you without an agenda. Are you with me? And I believe that's how we need to get into the Word. Without an agenda, without the next sermon, or it's good to study the Word. It's good to study the Word, but you need to spend time just enjoying the Word as well. Are you with me? Vary your diet. Develop a love for the Word. I come from a background, I'm going to share a little bit about my testimony every now and then, but I come from a background of Satanism and drug addiction, and I damaged my brain from drugs. I'm saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. I'm forgiven of all my sins, and I have a wonderful family, wonderful life, and I believe the testimony of Jesus is in my life. So please, I remember the first time I shared my full testimony with a youth group. They never spoke to me again because they were so afraid. <laughs> I'll never share my full testimony ever again. <laughs> but I damaged my brain a lot through drugs. And I'll talk about the power of the word just now. But the Word is a very special place in my heart where I just enjoy spending time reading the Word because of my, my, my um, not only the drug addiction, but the damage to my brain. It gave me um, schizophrenic symptoms at a stage which God completely healed me with. But one thing that, that remained is I have a visual, very visual memory now. Um, I, I'm very scared to call it a semi-photographic memory because um, I still forget a lot. <laughs> but I remember things in pictures. And when I read a book, it's like watching a movie. It's very visual for me. My brain has just been engineered like that now. What, what the devil meant for my harm, God turned for his glory. But I, I enjoy reading the Bible, just constantly reading it as a storybook. Does it mean I don't spend devotional time? Of course I do. I spend time studying the Word. But we've got, to, we've got to vary our diet and just spend time loving God in His Word. Amen. Because when that delight comes, it's about relationship. It's no longer about law. The danger is if it's just the spiritual responsibility of trying to be a good Christian, that I must read my Bible every day. It's gonna, the danger is it could become a law in your life. And if you don't study the Bible out of relationship with God or an aim to know God more, it's going to produce death in you. The letter of the law produces death. I know in our Bible school back in South Africa, we had these things called word exams where it's just Scripture. What we did is we got core Scriptures for different themes. So in other words, salvation, relationship with God, praise and worship, prayer, and got core scriptures that people could study and memorize regarding those themes. And um, there was 21 exams, seven times three, hey, or four. 21 or 28 exams, a lot of exams. And the final one, uh, word seven, the word seven was eight to ten hours of writing, just scriptures. It's a lot of Scripture. It goes from core Scriptures to whole chapters of Scripture that you've memorized and studied. And I know a young man that finished all of those 
He was one of the very first to finish all of the word exams, all of those scripture exams. Man, did it go awfully wrong for that young man. I knew him personally. I went on ministry tours with him. I knew he studied those exams because he was forced to. He didn't want to do it. He had no passion for it. He lived quite a compromising lifestyle. But he studied the scripture and he knew the scriptures. And he got good marks. But all it produced in him was death. Why? Because it was not out of relationship. And this is where we come to our relationship with the Holy Spirit and how He functions in our life. When we read the word concerning the Holy Spirit, He is the one that will lead us and guide us into all truth. He will remind us of everything that God has said to us. He will tell us of things to come. And I believe when we read the word with a desire to get closer to God and get to know God more, the Holy Spirit will allow me to explore the word with Him. Because the Spirit of God makes the Word alive. Amen? Otherwise, this is just a book I forgot to check. This book is, okay, the publishers are in Nashville, Tennessee. Printed in Korea, I was right. This book is printed in Korea, not heaven. I once made the huge mistake in Madagascar that I'll never do again, and I've never done again, so please when I was talking about the Word as a foundation in another church many years ago in Madagascar, I went and I stood on the Bible. <coughs> you know, certain faith, faith, certain other religions, if you had to burn their holy book, there'd be riots on the street. This is a book. Once it's perished, I have to throw it away and get a new one. Are you with me? But it's what's contained in this book that gives me life. Jesus says, you search the Scriptures because inside them you think you'll find me, but it just points to me. Are you with me? And as I spend time with God in the Word, delighting in His Word, that is when I'm going to get experience the breakthrough. Amen? Hallelujah. So my delight must be in the law of the Lord. Uh, and in His law... He meditates day and night. Everyone say with me, meditates. Now, this is not the, mm, the Buddhist meditation. For those of you, you who, who've done Bible school, I always shudder when I stand up here because I know all the biblical scholars are keenly listening to my theology. <laughs> but he meditates upon the law day and night. And now what I want to use with meditating is reprogramming and reinforcing. We need to reprogram our minds when we're born again, as you know, our spirit is made alive. But your mind, Mike, is still unrenewed. But the scripture says we have the mind of Christ. If I have the mind of Christ, what need is there to renew my mind, according to Romans 12, verse 2? Yes, I have the mind of Christ in my spirit. But I, I, have a, I still have an earthly way of thinking. If I got saved at the age of 19, for 19 years I lived according to the patterns of this world. I thought in a certain way. I thought about marriage in a certain way. I thought about relationships, finances, different areas of life in a certain way. And it was a secular way, a worldly way. Let's put it like that. That's, that's more accurate. And then I got saved. I can no longer think in this way. I need to change my mind. Isaiah 55 says, my way, my, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, and my ways are not your ways. 
it doesn't mean I must stay like this. My ways must become like His ways. I must follow His ways. My thoughts must become like His thoughts. I must think the way that God thinks about things. I must think like Him. Amen? I must see life the way He sees life. Like I said, I have no right to my own opinion anymore. But my opinion must be led by His opinion upon something. Because if I'm still led by my own opinion, I can look at Daniel and say, well, oh, that shirt clearly tells me he's a, what did they used to call him? Uh, um, not a hobo. <laughs> it's a polo shirt, isn't it? A <laughs> no, he used to call, no, no, Metro Mail. Okay, let's say use Metro Mail. But that's my opinion, which is completely inaccurate. Are you with me? I can look at a guy with black fingernails and a black shirt and black hair staring at me with a pencil, big pentagram, and I'm like, Ugh. but how does God see him? If I walk in my own opinion, I'm going to look at Saul and I'm just going to reject him. But when God looked at Saul, who did he see? Paul. Are you with me? We need to carry God's perspective when it comes to seeing things. Amen. And this means I need to reprogram. So now I'm going to read Romans 12 verse 2, another very popular scripture that most of you have memorized and some of you have written sermons on and studies on. Uh, please give me the liberty just to read from the Amplified Classic Version of the, of the Bible. It says, Do not be conformed to this world, this age, fashioned after and adapted to its external superficial customs, but be transformed, changed, by the entire renewal. Everyone say, it's entire renewal. The entire renewal of your mind by its new ideals and its new attitude, so that you may prove for yourselves what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God, even the thing which is good and acceptable and perfect in His sight for you. We need to change the way we think. If we want to follow God, if we want to live God's will for our lives, We've got to learn to think like Him. And this requires an entire renewal of your mind. Not just little pieces that you pick out that you want to change or that's easy to change. It's called an entire renewal. There was a preacher by the name of Albert Martin. Maybe some of you guys are aware of him. He once, uh, I think he was a Baptist preacher, he preached a fiery sermon uh, impassioned sermon called the wrath of God in a sermon <laughs> in a church one day. I don't know if you listen to that sermon. I don't think um, it will be very successful in the modern day church. I think most believers will find it very offensive because it's quite straightforward about the wrath of God. But he said something about the cross that really struck a chord with me and has stood with me for many years. He said the cross does not give us a minor shift or two with regard to a few of our ethical, moral, and moral and religious values, the cross radically disrupts the very center and citadel of your life from self to Christ. Let me just read it again. The cross does not give us a minor shift or two with regard to a few of our ethical and moral and religious values. The cross radically disrupts the very center and citadel of your life from self to Christ. We're going to read from Hebrews 4 verse 12 later. But it goes, the word must go deep, right into the deepest parts of our nature and produce the image of Christ. 
Amen? So when we talk about renewing our mind, it's not just many people just soothe their conscience with the Bible. In some faith traditions, we call, I call it uh, uh, friends with benefits. They use Christianity as a medical aid for the benefits of it. So they'll take portions of Scripture that bless them, that make them prosperous, or that suit them. or They take that and they leave the vegetables. But we need to allow the Word to completely renew our mind. Amen. All right. Reinforcing Joshua 1. I just want to quickly state that. You'll see how many times God encouraged Joshua to remember the Word, to meditate upon the law. How many times God told Moses to keep on speaking in the ears of Joshua what God has done. To continually reinforce God's Word in his life. Because he would later face challenges and wars where he would have to rise to the occasion and he could not afford to doubt or shrink back in fear. But know what God has done. I think Vicky said something similar right at the beginning of the worship. Of sometimes we allow one little thing to disrupt all day and we forget everything else that God has done. But we must continually meditate upon the word that when the occasion arrives, when the battle comes or the challenge is accepted, I am able to rise to that challenge, that occasion, because I have the word living and dwelling richly inside of me. Amen. That it's been reinforced with me. I have, I've known about God's provision since I've been saved. It was one of the very first revelations I got from the Word. When I read the scripture about not worry, the, the sparrows don't worry about what they eat and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera, you are much more valued than sparrows. That was the first scripture that really had a powerful impact on my, on my life. I never knew why until I became a missionary. <laughs> But you know how many times God has had to reinforce the truth of Him as my provider in my life. Even in times I thought that wasn't necessary. Because you know, as, an, as, a, as a single person, it's only one Big Mac. When you get married, it's two Big Macs. When you get married and have children, it's two Big Macs and a Happy Meal. In some of the missionary families, it's two, it's two Big Macs and a whole lot of Happy Meals. And God, the, the, the challenge con continually grows greater and greater. Therefore, the word must be strong inside of you. Because sometimes that's all you have to hang on is God's word. When times get tough for you as a missionary here in a foreign country, many times all you have to hold on to is the fact that God called you here. If you are not sure that God has called you to Georgia, please spend time with God and reaffirm that word in your life. Because when times get tough and, the, and the, the storm rages upon your life, sometimes that's all you have to hang on is God said, I must be here. Are you with me? So we need to reinforce the word in our lives. I don't know if you guys are quiet because it's hot or because you're intensely listening. But I pray it's the second one. <clears throat> Great. So we are past meditation. The next one says, he shall be like a, plant, a tree planted by the rivers of water. I don't know about you, but when I spend time in the, in the Word of God and spend time in the Scriptures, it brings life to me. I feel refreshed. 
after spending time with God in the Scriptures. I feel alive. I feel energized. I feel encouraged. I feel inspired. I feel emboldened to take on life. I don't know. That's how I feel when I study the Scriptures. It must be more than just a, a, a... an agreement, an intellectual agreement with what you're reading. It's got to produce something inside of you. Amen? The Word is living and active. The Word is alive and powerful. Different translations. Something must happen when I read the Word. I must allow it to come and change and transform me. Amen? But it provides encouragement, strengthening, comfort, inspiration, instruction, exhortation, discipline. I need to allow the authority of God's Word in my life. We really need to place God's Word above us. God places His Word above Himself. That's how I know He keeps to His Word. There's nothing nothing higher than God that He can swear by, except by Himself. He places Himself on the authority of His Word. That's why I know He will do what He says. Are you with me? If He says something, He will do it. Because God is not a man that He should lie. I need to have that reverent fear and respect for God's Word. This is not just a storybook. When people start talking about all sorts of things, okay, was creation made in seven days? or in 2000, over a period of 1,000 years. We have all these wonderful discussions, and I'm not willing to go into that at all. But we've got to be really careful that when we start to explore like this, we do not minimize the authority of God's Word. Because when we minimize the authority of God's Word, it's not going to have that impact in our life. If you don't take God's Word as yes and amen, How is it going to be yes and amen in your life? Because a double-minded man receives nothing from the Lord. But when I allow it to have that authority in my life, that is when the Word will become applicable and alive and will be activated in my life. That's when these scriptural principles will mean something. Look, the atheist apologist studies the Scriptures. The Satanist studies the Scriptures. Other religions study the Scriptures, our Scriptures. The devil knows the Scriptures. It profits them nothing. It profits them nothing. Because they they do not subject themselves to the Word. They do not draw close to God in relationship with that Word. God will sovereignly use the Word many times to bring those people to Christ. But my question is, child of God, what is the authority you allow the the Word of God in your life? God is not going to force Himself upon you to change. The Holy Spirit, I've heard it said, is like a gentleman. But He will not force you to change. He will convict you of your sin. He will convict you of your error. He will press on buttons that you need to change in your heart, your mind, your ways. But it's up to you to make the choice. Are you with me? Similarly with the Word, as we surrender to the Word, we begin to see the full power and effect of the Word in our lives. You want to be prosperous in your way? 
I'm not talking about just in your house, in your car, prosperous in your way. Allow the Word to have authority in your life. Amen? Learn to love the Word. Learn to receive the Word with meekness and humility. The second last one says, whose leaf also shall not wither. That speaks to me about consistency. By spending time in the Word, studying the Scriptures and meditating upon them, I will develop a strong foundation. I will be constant. As, the, as, the, as the, 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 the song said, but also as Jesus said in the Scriptures, He who hears my words and does them is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. That when the winds and the waves and everything beats on that house, it stood firm. When I spend time in such a way, when I have that quality quality time with the Word, when I have that quality surrendered to the Word, and I allow it to have authority in my life, and I build that foundation, when circumstances come my way, albeit the gates of hell come against me, I will stand strong because I am built upon the Word, which is eternal and true. Amen? It is eternal and true. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. I'm so confident in the word that I can throw my whole life upon it. But again, make sure that you're interpreting the word accurately. How many times I've seen pastors try to walk on water because Jesus also walked on water. Every single one of them, as far as I know, got wet. (laughs) That's not interpreting the word or applying the word accurately. Are you with me? But God is faithful to his word. And it's the most reliable thing I've found in my life. Other books, I mean, whether it be spiritual books by Christian authors, they are great, they are inspiring, they are encouraging, but they must point me to the Word. Because this is the teaching that, this is the only book I've read, I've only read two books more than once. This is the only book I've read more than twice, let's say it like that. I know some of you are looking at me, haven't you read the history of the church more than twice, brother? Repent. Fox's Book of Martyrs is another important. No, no, no. The Word. <laughs> I love the Word. When I was being discipled um, right at the beginning of my salvation, my, and I'll be careful not to damage my Bible. It's a brand new Bible. My pastor said, the, 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 guy, the, the pastor discipling me said, eat the Word. And he bit his Bible like that. Eat the Word. You've got to eat it. And the funny thing about the Word is the more you consume the Word, the more hungry you become. I don't know if you've noticed that. Yes? No? Maybe? Am I the only one with that strange experience? The more you consume the Word, the more hungry you become. I don't know if you've noticed, the more time you spend in the Word, if, you, if I've been spending a lot of time in the Word, when I'm in conversations with people, especially as a pastor, when I'm giving counsel to people or I'm having a discussion with people, my vocabulary is so flooded with scriptural principles. Scriptures are just continually and effortlessly coming to my mind because I'm so flooded with it. It's changed my way of thinking, my perspective. 
Are you with me? I'm allowing its influence in my life. And it's influencing not only my, my thought patterns, but it's influencing my speech patterns. Our words, our words become richly seasoned with God's Word. That's what we need to see in our lives. Amen? It will solidify my faith. It will establish my faith. It will develop integrity and consistency of character regardless of circumstances. Oh, I missed one. I missed fruit in season. You should have corrected me, brother. I need that help. <laughs> we missed one saying it, it bears fruit in season. Please forgive me. Can I go back there very quickly? No. Hebrews 4 verse 12. I'll just, you know the scripture, Hebrews 4 verse 12? The word is alive and powerful, living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, double-edged sword. It pierces even to the dividing of soul and spirit. It helps me to discern what is from my soul and my flesh and what is from the spirit. We talked about that with my perspectives. It goes deep into the bones and marrow. The Amplified says, even to the very deepest parts of my nature. Not everything you are today is from God. I, if I've been brought up in the world, there are certain aspects, whether by culture, whether by my parents, or something else. I've learned ways of doing and thinking things that are part of me that are not necessarily formed by God's Spirit but rather by circumstances. Are you with me? My perspective on finances is not necessarily biblical because of how my parents used to handle finances, for instance. And, God, and those things are so deeply rooted in us. For instance, culture. Some things can be so deeply rooted in us that they become part of who we are as a German, as an American, as a South African. And God has to come by His Word to the very deepest parts of our nature and separate that which is from Him and that which is not from Him and form and establish the image of Christ inside of us. Amen? We are being conformed into His image and likeness from the inside that is then manifested on the outside. Hallelujah? And this will cause us to have an integrity of character that cannot be shaken. Because I will have God's perspective on my circumstances. I will be able to handle pressure. I will be able to handle temptation. I will be able to handle the storms in a godly way. How can you always be so positive in these financially trying times? Can't you see what's going on around you? All these wars and rumors of wars and all these things that are taking place. How can you be calm? How can you have a smile on your face? How can you be joyful? Because I have a different perspective in me. Are you with me? There's a hope inside of me that doesn't disappoint. There's a, there's a glory rising up inside of me, which is Christ. When I receive the word and I establish it in my life, I become consistent. I become trustworthy. As Paul said in Timothy about studying the word, to show yourself as one is approved. Amen? Show yourself as one approved. I become reliable, somebody God can count on because I have integrity, consistency of, of godly character. God can deposit things in me. God can use me in certain ways because He can rely on me. As He said of Moses, 
Should I hide the thing? Uh, no, Moses, Abraham. Should I hide from the thing I'm about to do from Abraham, knowing that he follows me and his family after, and he will do these things? I'm going to tell him. May we be found faithful like that. Amen. The last part. Whatever he does shall prosper. Why shall I prosper? Not because I manipulate into his scriptures and name it, claim it, and frame it, as they used to say in the old days. But because my ways have become like God's ways. Because I do things the way God does them. When it's his initiative, when it's his way of doing things, it's going to be successful. Many of us find, and as a pastor, you come across this situation many times, where a businessman will do something and ask God to bless his business, and when it falls apart, the temptation is to blame God. Um, no. God didn't start the business, you started the business. Are you with me? But when we're doing things God's way, we don't always understand when our perspective of failure happens. But we're going to prosper in the way of God. We're going to see great things happen in our lives. We're going to see God move in and through our lives. But when we have accepted this perspective, when we are walking according to God's ways, because when we walk in the light, we won't stumble. Amen? And this word provides a light. I will prosper because his word is eternal and true. Isaiah, I want to leave you with Isaiah 55 verse 11. So shall my word be that goes out of my mouth. Now in the Hebrew word, in the Hebrew, it's called, the, the Hebrew word for that word, word, is dabar. But in the Greek, it's translated as rhema and logos. You wonderful Bible students and lecturers and teachers and pastors and preachers, you all know Rhema and Logos, we're not going to get into that. But I believe that can be applied equally to, to the spoken word and the written word. So shall my word be that goes out of my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but it will accomplish the purpose which I have desired, and the, uh, accomplish what I have desired and the purpose for which I have sent it. You see, there's an there's a indwelling potential and power contained in God's Word to fulfill its purpose. When God says something, it will not return to Him empty. That's why I rely on God's Word so heavily. If God says I must do something, I didn't come to Georgia because it's a wonderful country, although it is. I didn't come to Georgia certainly for the weather. No, I did not. Especially the winter weather. I, got, I came to Georgia because of a feeling of God's calling upon my life to be here. I felt this is the place God has called me to be. I believe that is what God has said to me. So beyond my understanding, I will come here and do what God says I must do. Because that is the only place I'm going to prosper is when God says something. Whether it be in the written word or through spoken word. May we allow the power of God's word to change and transform us. Amen. That we stop living in lives of error, whether it be in major error or minor error. How shall a young man keep his way pure? 
by heeding according to your word. That doesn't only apply to young men, by the way. When I allow that word to, to, to have that authority, I wanted to say take control of my life. It, it could well be like that, but it's not taking control. I'm giving it control. He has final say in my life. It's like your dad when you were a little boy. He has, your dad had final say. You might want an ice cream, but you're not going to get an ice cream no matter how much you want it. Because dad said no. <laughs> Why? I don't always have to give a reason. I said no. When I allow that full authority, my life is going to change. Please, whether, as I said, whether you're a mature Christian that's been walking with God for a long time, or a young Christian and you're discovering your walk with God, let us allow the Word to have full effect and power in our life. Amen? Can we stand and pray, please? Father God, thank You for Your Word. Lord, we value the Word so much, Lord, because it draws us closer to You. It changes and transforms us more into the image of Your Son, Jesus Christ. Father, I value and deeply appreciate and love Your Word that You have given to us. It's more than just a manual or a guidebook, but it has brought me life. And I believe everyone sitting here, standing here today has brought them life. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you'll open the eyes of our hearts and our understanding to your word. Reveal to us the truth that will set us free. Lead us and guide us into all of that truth, Lord. God, I pray that you'll expose the blind spots in our lives, the error of our ways, whether it be minor or major, but things that are just hindering us, obstacles that are just holding us back from experiencing that breakthrough. May the truth of God's Word truly set us free in every aspect of our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. This podcast was from Tbilisi International Christian Fellowship. Learn more about us online at ticf-georgia.org. Thanks for listening.